What a blessing it is to be able to rejoice, to be able to sing, to be able to open up the Word of God. We don't take that for granted, and at this time of Christmas, we rejoice and we give thanks for the Savior, which the whole world yearned for, the Savior that the world desired has come. There's a pastor by the name of William Ezelin. He tells the story of walking around his church one day, and he says, the last place I expected to see graffiti was on the church door. He said, serving as a minister to a growing suburban congregation afforded little time to oneself. Consequently, I would often withdraw to a room at the opposite end of the building. There I was free of most interruptions and distractions. Not ostentatious, but etched in the brown door at eye level were three words. God was here. Obviously, an innocent gag, probably written by one of the creative teenagers I worked with. Admittedly, reading such a statement in a church does make one slightly uncomfortable, he said. A week later, I returned to my place of quiet. I needed peace from the frustrations of a crowded day. I noticed that the graffiti had been tampered with. Altering graffiti occurs on buildings and bridges, but in a church? But there is, there was something that had been changed. And better yet, my training confirmed that it's more theologically accurate. For someone had crossed out the was and had written above it is. In a quiet room, the message of Christmas was proclaimed, God is here. Tonight as we gather here in Charlie Lake, those three words ring out. In a world of confusion, a world of hatred and obstinance, we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is here. We know that because there were so many witnesses to the birth of Jesus. We think of Joseph, his earthly father, Mary, his mother, the shepherds, and even after that night, the wise men and, and King Herod. They all reacted in our history to the birth of the Messiah. We've heard many of those words tonight as Sounders read them. And we're going to reread some of those in the moments to come. Let's lay out, first of all, a simple framework for who God is. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God is here. The light shines in the darkness. The light entered into the world. The word became flesh. God came in human nature in the form of a baby. And the best part is he lived among us. He lived with us. But how? How does God enter into this darkness? Does he suddenly appear? Does he arrive out of nowhere and start doing amazing things? Does he bring down the government, install good people to lead, and make everything right in the blink of an eye? Well, that is how most of us, and myself included, would hope that it would work out. But God had different plans. He was going to use an unknown virgin girl from Nazareth to give birth to a baby. It didn't make sense. And here's the thing, it still doesn't make sense. Why should the Messiah have to grow up? Why couldn't he just be? Luke tells us the story of the angel appearing to Mary in, in, in his gospel. And it, and it says, In the sixth month, month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found great favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no more... Uh, so no, for no word of God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me, your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. God is here. May your word be fulfilled, Mary said. There's honesty in that message. There's uncertainty in that message. But most of all, there's faith in that message. Mary had all of those things at work in her heart, working in her mind and in her soul. And so today we ask the same of God. We ask it the same thing, don't we? May your word to me be fulfilled. May you come once again to save your people from a fallen world. That's a wonderful story. And yet there's this, there's this other guy named Joseph who wasn't there when Mary had this angel appear.
appear before her and tell her that she was going to be the mother to the Son of God. The Messiah was going to be born through her. Well, she's engaged to be married to this young man named Joseph, and she goes and tells Joseph this thing, this story, and you can imagine for a moment if you're Joseph and you're hearing that story. If it was me, I'd say, Mary, I love you, but there are some things that just aren't adding up with your story. There are some things that just don't make sense. And scripture says that Joseph, he loved Mary deeply, but he had put it in his mind that he would divorce her silently once the baby was born. But then even Joseph is um, met by an angel. And this angel reminds him that the words that Mary are saying are in fact true. That everything that Mary had said was going to happen. And scripture says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. See, he loved Mary. He loved his wife-to-be. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him, gave him the name Jesus. God is here. God is here. The months progressed, and finally the time came when Mary was about to give birth. There was no denying it. People would have noticed. People had probably been talking. People who were even bad at math were doing the math, and it wasn't adding up what was going on. And Joseph stands by her side. Mary stands beside Joseph knowing that they both know that the little baby growing inside of her is the Messiah. And then around that time, they're called back to Bethlehem because there's this group of people called the Romans that pretty much controlled all the earth. Any modern part of the earth was under Roman control for the most part. And they wanted as much money and as much tax income as they could possibly get. And so they said to the nation of Israel, we want you to go back to your homes, where your place of birth, and we want you to register. We want to take a census. We want a, an exact number of the people in our empire. We want to know exactly how much we can tax you and how much we can make. And as Mary and Joseph begin that journey to Bethlehem. Mary begins likely to feel those beginning birth pains. That uncertainty, that knowledge that something is changing, something is not quite right, and maybe it's time to give birth. They get to Bethlehem, they look for a place to, li uh, to, to sleep for the night, and they can't find one, and finally they are offered basically a barn. 
a place where the animals could rest, can sleep, could, could get fed. And baby Jesus is born in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that uncertainty, in the midst of that doubt. And for the most part, nobody had a clue. Nobody understood. Nobody got it. But there were these angels minding their own business. They were outside of Bethlehem. The sheep had probably settled in for the night. They had been fed. They had been bedded down. The shepherds were probably, after a long day, trying to get some rest of their own. And as they're out in this field, suddenly the whole sky lit up. You can just imagine, it's, it, it's a little bit dark in here, but if all of a sudden floodlights just came on, we'd be kind of um, just taken by that. But this was an angelic choir, Scripture tells us, the heavenly hosts, and they are proclaiming the birth of the Messiah. They're saying, tonight in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. And they tell the shepherds, he is the Messiah, the Lord. They say, you're going to go find him, and this is where you'll find him. You will find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, lying in a place that is used to feed animals, to bed down sick animals, lying in a manger. That's where you're going to find the king of this world. And suddenly, as this angel is talking, the sky lights up even brighter as a whole chorus of heavenly host scripture says begin to proclaim that the messiah has come glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests and just as suddenly as that sky was lit up it was back to being dark and i guarantee you that none of them looked at each other shrugged and said that was interesting and went back to bed Something had happened. Something had changed. Their hearts in that moment had been transformed hearing this message. And scripture says they go into the town of Bethlehem and they find the Messiah and they bow down and they worship him. And they give thanks for him. And then when they were done, it says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God is here. After the excitement of that night, life got back to normal. But not for everybody. You see, the star had appeared in the east, and the magi, the wise men, had seen it, and they were wise enough to know that there is something about this star, and it drew them towards it to see what it was all about. And they go searching after this star. I know in our, in our Sunday school plays, it, it wraps up so nice when they kind of come at the same time as the shepherds. But this would have been some time afterwards. Mary has begun to parent. Mary has begun to nurture and feed and teach Jesus. He is a baby after all. It is hard to fathom what those days would be like. Jesus, the Messiah of the world, needing his diapers changed, needing to be fed, just like a baby. But then there were moments for Mary and Joseph where reality would hit them again. Moments when the wise men come and lay their gifts 
at the Messiah's feet and worship. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King David, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King David heard this, he was disturbed. Imagine being the king, and all of a sudden, these wise men from the east come, and they say, we've heard that a new king has been born, a Messiah has arrived. We have come to worship him. It says King Herod was distressed, and of course he was. What's going on? Why would they be coming to worship anybody but him? And so he tells them, well, I, he, he tells them where to go, and he says, gives them some ideas and he says, when you're coming back, when you have found this, this king, why don't you come back here and let me know so that I too can go and worship him? These wise men who were wise enough to know to follow that star were warned in a dream and were wise enough to go home another way. They were warned not to tell King, king Herod where they were. But scripture says when they get to where Mary and Joseph and Jesus was. It says, it says, um, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God is here. God has a plan. And I believe that as we gather here tonight. God has a plan for creation as much today, tonight, in 2022, as he did on the day of his birth. But it goes back even further than that. God had a plan right from the beginning in creation. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, God had a plan. God had a plan when the nation of Israel decided, we're going to, to turn our backs and we're going to follow after other gods and we want to be just like the nation's around us. God had a plan. And that plan was salvation. The res restoration of his people to him. And this was done through the birth of Jesus Christ so many years ago in Bethlehem. And later through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. God is here. It may, in fact, seem like God isn't around. The chaos that I mentioned, the anger that is so prevalent in society, the uncertainty that is everywhere. But God has never turned his back on us. The scriptures are clear. Let me finish with Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. It says that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectations for the chi children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. 
in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is here. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.